This is the book, See You at the Top, by Zig Ziglar. And the course, the I Can course. This book is the how-to book that gives you a checkup from the neck up to eliminate stinking thinking and avoid hardening of the attitudes. This is the 21st, the 25th anniversary edition and it's in its 58th printing. And there have been over a million six hundred and fourteen thousand copies of this book printed and sold. We are in now the last chapter of segment two, chapter six. And chapter six is 15 steps to a healthy self image. Step one, take inventory. You are far from bankrupt. Realistically, your net worth, if you should decide to sell out, is several million dollars. When you complete the inventory, you will come to the full realization that no one on the face of this earth can make you feel inferior without your permission. And you will like yourself too much to give that permission. I love what the immortal Booker T. Washington, the ex-slave who founded Tuskegee Institute at a time when racial prejudice, prejudice was almost total, said, I will permit no man to narrow and degrade my soul by making me hate him. To begin with, there are three reasons why you should like you as you are. First reason, common sense demands it. Some years ago, a woman in Gary, Indiana, received $1 million because a drug had caused her to lose her sight. She had taken the drug to clear up a rash in her face and it settled in her eyes, causing her to lose approximately 98% of her vision. Would you swap places with her? In California, another woman was awarded a million dollars because of a back injury received in a plane accident. Doctors say that she will never walk again. Would you swap places with her? The chances are a thousand to one that if your vision is normal and your back is strong, you wouldn't consider swapping places with either of these ladies. The chances are even greater that if you made the offer to either lady, they would gladly make the exchange and throw in a heartfelt thank you. Deep down in your own mind, you know that regardless of your financial position and regardless of how deep your interest in money might be, you would refuse the offer to swap. If you are a normal human being, You would like to have the money, but in exchange for one of your greatest assets, your health? Betty Grable, the famous pinup queen of World War II, was best known for her million dollar legs, so named because they were insured for 
$1 million. How would you like to see another pair of million dollar legs? If you will look down at your own, you will be looking directly at a pair of legs that if they will move you around, you would not sell for the million dollar price tag placed on Betty Grable's legs. Since you would not take a million dollars for your eyes, a million dollars for your back, or a million dollars for your legs, you are already worth over three million dollars. And we just started on your personal inventory. Like yourself better already, don't you? Fortunately, you don't have to swap one asset, your health, for another, money. By developing the positive characteristics I cover in this book and building on the foundation of character, faith, integrity, love, loyalty, and honesty, you can have all, you can have them all. Health, wealth, happiness, peace, friends, and security. One of a billion. Many years ago, I read in a Dallas newspaper that a Rembrandt painting had sold for over $1 million. Today, it's worth much, much more. As I read the article, I thought to myself, what in the world would make some paint on a canvas worth so much money? Then a couple of thoughts occurred to me. First, this was obviously a unique painting. As a matter of fact, of all the billions of paintings painted since the beginning of time, this was the only one exactly like it in existence. It was a Rembrandt original. Its rarity gave it value. Second, Rembrandt was a genius. He had a talent that occurs only once every hundred years or more. Obviously, it was his talent that was being recognized. Then I start thinking about you. Since the beginning of time, billions of people have lived on the face of the earth. There are several billion people on earth today. As a matter of fact, as I read this to you, it's uh, over 7 billion people in the world today. But there has never and there never will be another you. You are rare, exclusive, different, and unique being on the face of this earth. These qualities give you enormous value. Please understand that even though Rembrandt was a genius, he was mortal. The same God who created Rembrandt created you. And you are as precious in God's sight as Rembrandt or anyone else. In addition to having a rare talent, Rembrandt used that talent by lifting his paintbrush up every day. Since his birth, there have probably been hundreds of Rembrandts in every field of endeavor who never lifted their paintbrushes or gotten off their seats to make their marks. Let's pursue this thought. Just one more short step. If you had the only car in town, you would have an extremely 
valuable possession unless you parked it in the garage and left it there. Since you do have the only you in existence, you are valuable. So take you and your talent and use it. Just remember, God created you and gave you talent for you to use, not to bury. The second reason, science explains it. Most people have a lot of confidence in science. So let's take a look at you scientifically. You have the capacity between your ears to store more information than can be stored in dozens of man's most sophisticated computers. In your mind, you can store more information that you will find in the millions of volumes in the Library of Congress. Scientists tell us that if a man were to attempt to create a human brain, it would cost billions and billions of dollars, would be bulky inside, and would require lots of power to operate. Its construction would involve the most brilliant men in the world, and yet with all its size, cost, and power requirements, this man-made brain would not have the creative capacity God stored between your ears. Your remarkable mind brings 72 muscles into perfect coordination each time you utter a word. As much as I talk, some of my friends figure I have a muscle-bound mouth. Mouth. Seriously now, you wouldn't try to convince me, yourself, or anyone else that you are not a remarkable person with more than enough capability to climb the stairway to the top, would you? I'll bet you know other people with less ability who are climbing to the top, don't you? Selling you, your mind. You might say, well, if I'm so smart, how come I'm broke? Or at least badly bent? That's a good question. Here's a partial answer. Unfortunately, you came equipped at birth with your mind. Both of us would be better off if I owned your mind. I would sell it to you for, let's say, $100,000. So I would profit enormous, enormously. However, you would have made the bargain purchase of all time. Never again would you look into the mirror, mirror and make any depreciating comments. As a matter of fact, you would give yourself quite a little pep talk. I almost hear you say, Now look, friend. I have a hundred thousand bucks invested in you and you are really something. Yes, indeed, you can do it. Never again would you say anything unkind about a mind worth so much money, nor would you believe if anyone else said anything unkind about your hundred thousand dollar mind. Let me again stress as we talked about a healthy self image that I am not talking about a super inflated I am the greatest ego. All I'm talking about is developing a simple, healthy self-acceptance. Best of all, the third reason, the Bible verifies it. The most important reason you should like you appeared on a bumper sticker the other day. It said, God loves you, whether you like it or not. The Holy Bible tells us that man was created in God's own image, only slightly less than the angels. Jesus Christ said, what have I done 
ye can do also and even greater works than these. Let me repeat that. Jesus Christ said, what I have done, you can do also and even greater works than these. He put no age, education, sex, size, color, height, or any other superficial qualifications as a requirement to attainment. He didn't leave you out. This is the faith we mentioned in the very beginning. Success is easy after you believe, and since you are on your way to believing, you are on your way to succeed. Look at it this way. If you are a parent with growing children, how do you feel when one of your children children says degrading things about himself or herself? I'm a nothing, a nobody, or I can't do anything right. Do statements like that make you happy? Do they cause you to swell with pride? Or did they break your heart and make you shake your head in despair? How do you think our Heavenly Father feels when we, who are His, say, ugly, depreciating things about ourselves? In reality, we have no right to belittle ourselves or any other human being, do we? Actually, God would be pleased if you would take one last look in the mirror before you start your day and say, now remember, Donnie, God loves you and so do I. Since you probably advise others to be a little more patient and allow a little more time to accomplish certain objectives, why don't you take the advice Bill Gothard gives us when he reminds us that God is not through with us yet. Bill explains that we are prescription babies made according to God's formula. Next, he reminds us that if we are not satisfied with ourselves, we should get back up on God's easel and let him finish the job. God don't sponsor no flops. I love what Ethel Waters said at the Billy Graham revival in London several years ago. Someone expressed amazement and asked why Dr. Graham was getting such a tremendous response from thousands upon thousands of Britons. Ethel just smiled that big, beautiful smile of hers and answers and answered, honey, God don't sponsor no flops. The late Mary Crowley, a well-known Dallas businesswoman and dedicated, dedicated Christian, expressed it equally well when she said, You are somebody because God doesn't take time to make nobody. And once you learn how much you matter to God, you don't have to go out and show the world how much you matter. Then, with a twinkle in her eye, she would smile and say, God made man, took took one look at, took one look and said, I can do better than that, and made woman. Speaking from the male side of the table, I agree with her 100%. Now, 
that we've partially completed your personal inventory, you definitely like yourself better, don't you? Carefully. Don't get smug about it. Step two. When you make up and dress up, you look up Fridays and Saturdays and the day before any significant holiday are busy days in the beauty salons of America. A friend and associate of mine many years ago said that when women came out of a beauty salon, they walk proud. Research clearly indicates that the way we look has a definite bearing on the way we feel. As far as our self-image and self-confidence are concerned, both men and women feel more confident when they know their appearance is good. That new dress or suit sometimes works wonders. And it's well established that a beautiful new permanent or hairdo combined with facial makeup truly makes a woman more at ease with herself, more confident in whatever she's doing, and in general good about herself. Men often feel the same way. They're just more inclined to deny it. In my own family, when my wife, daughters, granddaughters, or daughter-in-law return from the beauty salon, they smile a little more broadly, have a tendency to laugh more at little incidents and funnies, and just seem to enjoy life more. Yet, yes, that self-image of ours does have a bearing on many facets of our lives because it carries over in the way we deal with other people, including not only our families, but our friends and associates. More and more, this phenomenon is being observed in nursing and retirement homes across the country. Management recognizes that when residents are in a good mood, the chances of keeping them and expanding their business are greatly enhanced. Not only that, but the residents are easier to deal with and have fewer problems. For this reason, many nursing and retirement homes schedule events and bring in makeover artists, conduct beauty pageants, and particularly for women, make certainly that that they have an opportunity at least periodically to get all dolled up and look their best. Yes, our appearance does have a direct bearing on the way we feel about ourselves. So step number two is to make up and dress up. That way you'll get up, look up, and in many cases, make it easier for you to move up. Not only in your personal life, but also in your business and family life. There is more than a little truth in the following little funny. A lady was speeding with her husband at her side when a motorcycle policeman pulled her over. She lowered her window and the policeman said, I'm going to put you down for 55. She smilingly turned to her husband and said, See, I told you this new hairdo makes me look younger. I hope you got a little smile out of that. But my purpose is to remind you that an improved appearance makes you smile. And it makes other smiles with and it makes others smile with you. Every husband in America says his wife is happier, friendlier, and more productive after she has gotten all dolled up in a new outfit. 
Teachers will tell you that teachers will tell you that both Johnny and Mary put their best foot forward when they showed up for school in new clothes. Jim Moore and Joe Graham, principals at Calhoun High School in Port Lavaca, Texas, and Bay City High School in Bay City, Texas, as well as many others verify this by pointing out that conduct is considerably better on picture-taking day when the students dress up. The cliche that clothes don't make the man is another of those half-truths that create problems, especially if you grab the wrong half. The truth is your outward appearance does not affect your image and your performance. The truth is your outward appearance does affect your image and your performance. The outside appearance is enhancing or crippling the potential of the person on the inside. Employers note that employees do better work, all other things being equal, when they are neatly or sharply dressed. Even the computers agree with this. A 60-year-old study of two identical group of male managers revealed that computer-dressed businessmen earn $4,000 a year more than their counterparts, held better positions, and were more enthusiastic about their work. So to improve your self-image, make up or dress up the outside. Throughout the rest of this book, I will make reference to this fact, particularly in the areas of goal-setting attitudes and habits. In the attitude and habit segments, the how-to of creating that physical change will be examined. Step three, regularly read Horatio Alger's stories. Read the biographies and the autobiographies of men and women who used what they had and got a great deal out of life by making contributions to life. It would be difficult, if not impossible, to read the life stories of Henry Ford, Martin Luther King Jr., Mary Kay Ash, Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Edison, Mary Crowley, Andrew Carnegie, Booker T. Washington, etc., and not be inspired. Read the story of Eartha White, daughter of an ex-slave which appeared in the December 1974 issue of Reader's Digest and you will be inspired to be more and do more. We read about others succeeding. We visualize ourselves doing the same thing. Step four, listen to the speakers, teachers, and preachers who build mankind. When you hear, when you hear people like Colin Powell, Fred Smith, Paul Harvey, John Maxwell, Mamie McCullough, Naomi Road, you will get a lift in many ways. I'll say more about this in the attitude segment of the book. As a rule of thumb, you are safe to assume that any book, speaker, movie, TV program, individual, or recording that builds mankind will build you and your self-image. Step five, build a healthy self-image with a series of short steps. One reason 
people never attempt new things is their fear of failure. If possible, start any new venture with a phase or portion you are confident you can handle. Then transfer that initial accomplishment from one area of success to another. The child who multiplies two times two transfers that to a bigger success and multiplies three times four, five times six, etc. He or she then sees himself or herself as being capable of mastering mathematics. The child who survives the first batch of oatmeal cookies sees himself as being capable of baking better things. The high jumper who is capable of clearing six feet starts each session with the bar considerably lower and gradually moves up to higher levels. At Calhoun High School in Port Lavaca, Texas, a high jumper taking his approach jumped four inches higher than ever before and set the national record. This occurred after, I, after our I Can course for the students was introduced. The young man credited an improvement in self-image with his improvement in performance. As he warms up, he sees himself successfully clearing the lower heights until he sees himself successfully clearing greater ones. The point I wish to make in building your healthy self-image is this. Start in an area where you know you can succeed. Once success is accomplished there, move another step and another and another. Each step gives you added confidence and your self-image improves your performance, which improves your self-image, which improves performance, which improves self-image, which improves performance. Harvard psychologist David McClellan calls this accomplishment feedback. In the sales training world, we have a simulated or practice runs in the training room before we send a salesman out to make his first call. We know if our fledgling salesman goofs or has a sales wreck in the classroom, the experience won't be shattering because very little is at stake. In addition, we'll urge him to practice on his family and in front of the mirror. The late Maxwell Martz called this practice without pressure because the salesman had nothing to lose. One sensible word of caution about self-confidence is appropriate at this point. Remember, if you have been making an overdraft on the bank of confidence all of your life, you cannot realistically expect to bring your account up to date in one day or by reading this book just one time. The longer or more regularly you take the necessary steps and follow the recommended procedures, the bigger your account in the confidence bank of healthy self-image and the bigger the confidence account, the greater the accomplishment. Step six, join the Smile and Compliment Club. 
When you smile at people and they smile back, you automatically feel better and it definitely increases your face value. Even if they don't smile, you will feel better because you know the most destitute person in the world is the one without a smile. You immediately become richer by giving that person yours. Ditto for the compliment. When you sincerely compliment a person or extend him a courtesy, he's going to receive a direct benefit and like himself better. It is impossible for you to make someone feel better and not feel better yourself. One of the best ways to make anyone else feel better is to spread optimism and good cheer. You can do this almost instantly in your daily exchanges with associates and family. When someone says, hi, how are you doing? Give them a big cheerful, super good, but I'll get better or better than good. If you don't feel that good, it's safe to say you want to feel that way and even safer to say that if you claim the feeling, you will soon have the feeling. In the attitude segment, you will learn why this is true. Another way to make someone feel better is to properly answer the phone. Many people answer the phone with a gruff hello or even a more gruff yes, as if the caller had committed a dastardly sin by calling you. My personal approach is this. When I answer the phone at home, I offer, I answer it by saying a little ditty. Oh, good morning to you. Or I might say, howdy, howdy, howdy. Or good morning. This is Gene Ziegler's happy husband. Or good morning. We're having a great day at the Ziegler's and hope you are too. I do this because that is generally the way I feel. Again, the reason is simple. If I don't feel well, but act that way, I'll soon feel that way. I call that fake it till you make it. And that's my contribution, Donnie Browning. Also, I have a responsibility to the person who is calling. If I'm optimistic and cheerful, the chances are much stronger that I will give a lift to the person calling. And the truth of the matter is, I'm my brother's keeper. The Bible says, a merry heart hath a continual feast. And this approach guarantees a merry heart. At our company, our receptionist answers the telephone just as enthusiastically by saying, good morning, it's a great day at Ziegler Training Systems Network. I'm convinced that everyone, including you, just naturally feels better when exposed to a cheerful, optimistic individual almost regardless of the nature or the length of contact. Step seven, do something for someone else. Visit a shut-in or someone in the hospital. Bake a cake for an invalid. Participate in reading or a visitation program for the aged or senile. Go shopping for a shut-in. Babysit for a young mother who needs to get out of the house. Spend a few minutes on a regular basis teaching a functional illiterate to read. Become a volunteer with the Red Cross or a den mother or help little ones cross a dangerous intersection 
to and from school. Be a big brother to an orphan. Take some father's kids on a hike in the woods or spend time with them in a guidance role. For a hundred different ideas and suggestions among these lines, let me suggest, let me urge you to read Try Giving Yourself Away by David Dunn. Try Giving Yourself Away by David Dunn. There are two major considerations you must make. However, you must accept no compensation and the person or persons you assist should not be in a position to do anything for you in return. This I guarantee if you will do something for someone who is able to return the favor, you will get a lot more than you can possibly get. Let me reread that. This I guarantee if you will do something for someone who is unable to return the favor, you will get a lot more than you possibly can give. In so many cases, what you give will mean much to the recipient, but the feeling you get when you do something for someone who can't do for himself is indescribable. You will realize that you are truly fortunate and that you do have a lot to be thankful for that you can make a contribution and that you are in fact somebody. In short, you will stand tall in your own eyes, which is the bonus you get because you took what you had and unselfishly used it for someone else's good. Charles Dickens said it best, no one is useless in this world who lightens the burden of it to anyone else. Step eight, be careful of your associates. Deliberately associate with people of high moral character who look on the bright side of life and the benefits will be enormous. As an example, I'm convinced that if every doctor, teacher, lawyer, policeman, politician, civil service employee, military person, etc. had to sell for a living for three months and then had to attend an enthusiastic sales meeting once a week, our great country would be even greater. Over the years, I've seen hundreds of men and women from all walks of life enter the sales world as shy, introverted, incompetent individuals, and with a matter of weeks become confident, competent, and far more productive people. Here's why. In many cases, these people had lived in a negative environment, surrounded by people who dumped negative garbage into their minds and told them what they could not do. Their entry into the sales world meant a dramatic change in environment and associates. Now, everyone started telling them what they could do. They heard positive statements from trainers, managers, and associates. They saw daily results on all sides as a result of this approach. Since it was more fun and more profitable for them to like themselves, 
and they almost immediately started changing their self-image. My point is this. If every person were regularly exposed to this kind of environment and to people like this, my point is this. If every person were regularly exposed to this kind of environment and to people like this, just think what it would do for their self-image and to their attitude. Obviously, we can't require others to change their associates, but you can choose to associate with people like this. Do it and the result will be fantastic. Pick out those people who are optimistic and enthusiastic about life and I'll guarantee you some of it will rub off on you. Remember, you acquire much of the thinking, mannerisms, and characteristics of the people you are around. This is true whether peop- whether the people you this is true whether the people around you or are good or bad. Even your IQ could be affected by your environment and associates. July 1976, Success Unlimited tells the story. In in a kibbutz in Israel, evaluations revealed that the average IQ of the Oriental Jewish children was 85 compared to 115 for the European Jewish children. This proves that European Jewish children were smarter than the Oriental Jewish children, or does it? Over four years in the kibbutz, where the environment was positive, the motivation excellent, and the dedication to learning and growth substantial, the average IQ leveled off to the same thing, 115. That's exciting. When you associate with the right people, with a positive moral outlook on life, you greatly enhance your chances of winning. Unfortunately, your associates also affect you negatively. A youngster and adults too, who associate with others who smoke is far more likely to take up the habit than he would if he ran with a non-smoking group. The same is true for drug use, drinking, immorality, profanity, lying, cheating, stealing, etc. Fortunately, you can choose your associates. Step nine, to build your positive self-image, make a list of positive qualities on a card and keep it handy for reference. Ask your friends to list the things they like about you and keep that list handy. As you and your friends make that list, you might get to be like this old boy down home. He was walking down the street talking to himself and someone stopped and asked him why he did this. He replied that he enjoyed talking to intelligent people. And more importantly, he enjoyed listening to intelligent people talk. I'd say he had a healthy self-image. Brag on yourself from time to time. Get in your own corner. Step 10. Make a victory list to remind you of your past successes. The list should include those things that gave you the most satisfaction and confidence. The list should extend from childhood to the present. It can cover everything from whipping the school bully to making an A in a difficult course. 
As you periodically review this list, you will be reminded that you have succeeded in the past and that you can do it again. This builds confidence, which builds image, which builds success, happiness, etc. Actually, these last two steps reaffirm the fact that you are for you instead of against you. And you make your list. Please remember many of the qualities so vital for the balanced success we are talking about do not show up on the talent educational charts. Think in terms of your dependability, stickability, and availability for service. Accept as fact that you can be just as honest as anyone, just as conscientious, and just as dedicated. Know that you too can work as hard as that you can pray and you can pray as hard. Know also that you are loved by God as much as anyone else. Step 11. To build a healthy self-image, there are some things you must avoid. Pornography is the primary one. Literally everything that goes into your mind has an effect and it is permanently recorded. It either builds and prepares you for the future or it tears down and reduces your accomplishment possibilities for that future. Psychologists say that three viewings of Austin Powers, American Pie, South Park, Eyes Wide Shut, or any of the X-rated films or television programs have the same psychological, emotional, destructive impact in your mind as one physical experience. The people who have seen those shows are in agreement. They were sexually stimulated and viewed themselves with less respect. The reason is simple. These films or programs present mankind at its worst. And when you see your fellow man degraded, you in effect see yourself degraded. It is impossible to view mankind at its worst and not feel that your own value has diminished. And you can neither be nor do any better than you think you are or can. Ironically, most X-rated films are advertised as adult entertainment for mature audience. audiences. Most psychologists agree they are juvenile entertainment for immature and insecure audiences. This same imagination of yours, when applied to the daily soap opera, is devastating because over the years the soaps have become progressive the soaps have progressively featured everything from incest and adultery to trial marriage and wife swapping. Combine this with the enormous waste of time and the drug like ability to hook you into tuning in tomorrow to see what happens and it spells bad news with a capital B A D. For your information, tomorrow, the star of the soap opera, or at least one of his or her buddies, will either be in trouble, headed for trouble, or just getting out of trouble. When you view your life in this negative perspective over a long period of time, you identify with the situations which most nearly parallel your own. After a time, you will even find yourself thinking, I know exactly how he or she feels because that's exactly 
the way my John or Sue has done me, the dirty dog. The horoscope hooks you in a similar fashion and with even more devastating effects. Many people think it's harmless to read the horoscope because they don't believe any of it. It's just something to do. The truth is you will eventually become fatalistic as a result of it. The chapters on habits will explain why. Incredibly enough, some people will not make decisions or take trips if their horoscope is not in tune. The Bible says the horoscope is Satan's. So when you read the daily horoscope, you're reading Satan's daily bulletin. If you don't believe in God or the Bible, let me point out that the science of astrology was founded on the assumption that the sun revolves around the earth. Some science. Step 12. To improve your self-image, learn from the successful failures like Ty Cobb and Babe Ruth. Ty Cobb was thrown out more times trying to steal than any other man in baseball history. Babe Ruth struck out more times than any man in baseball history. Hank Aaron, who broke Babe Ruth's record, struck out more times than 99% of the players who make it to the major leagues. Nobody, but nobody, considers them failures. And few people even remember their failures. Virtually everyone remembers their successes. Enrico Caruso's voice failed to carry the high notes so many times his voice teacher advised him to quit. He kept singing and was recognized as the greatest tenor in the world. Thomas Edison's teacher called him a dunce and he later failed over 14,000 times in his efforts to perfect the incandescent light. Abraham Lincoln was well known for his failures, but nobody considers him a failure. Albert Einstein flunked courses in math. Henry Ford was broke at age 40. Vince Lombardi became the most revered coach since Newt Rockney, but at age 43 he was merely a line coach at Fordham University. The odds are strong that the leading salesman in 90% of the sales organizations in America misses more sales than most salesmen with the company. Walt Disney went broke seven times and had one nervous breakdown before success smiled on him. Actually, these people succeeded because they kept at it. As a matter of fact, the major difference between the big shot and the little shot is this. The big shot is just a little shot who kept on shooting. Step 13. One of the best, quickest, and most effective ways to improve your image and your performance is to join an organization with worthwhile goals that require you to participate by speaking. Many people can express themselves reasonably well in a private conversation, but are frozen with fright at the thought of standing up and making a speech to a group of any kind. They see themselves as falling flat on their faces and looking foolish. One of the fastest ways to change that image is to join Toastmasters or Toastmistresses International or to take our three-day Born to Win seminar 
or the Dale Carnegie Leadership Course. As a former instructor for Carnegie and now for my own company, I have seen some remarkable image changes take place as individuals acquire the ability to stand up and express themselves. It's not necessary to become an orator, though I've seen a number of former former wallflowers develop considerable ability as speakers. Initially, we had difficulty getting some of these people to stand up and speak. As their confidence grew, however, we had another problem. That's right. We had difficulty getting some of the same people to sit down and be quiet. Step 14. Look yourself and them in the eye. Almost without exception, the man on the street as well as the highly educated professional professional will tell you they like people who will look them in the eye. I plead guilty to this feeling and chances are strong that you feel the same way. There are many people who are unaware of the other person's reaction to people who avoid eye contact. Hence, they don't look directly at another person even when even when engaged in direct conversation. There are even more people whose self-image is such they feel unworthy and they're not good enough to, to look directly into the eyes of another. To overcome this feeling, if you have it, start with the process of looking yourself in the eye. When you have occasion to be in front of the mirror, you should also set aside a few minutes each day for the sole purpose of deliberately looking yourself in the eye. As you do this, repeat some positive affirmations of what you have accomplished. Use your victory list from step 10. Then repeat many of the other things people have said to you or about you that were positive. Concentrate on comments regarding your integrity, cheerfulness, honesty, character, compassion, persistence, thoughtfulness, good nature, spirit of cooperation, etc. And not on physical appearances unless you feel you are unattractive. In that event, those compliments become valuable image builders. The second phase of eye contact for image building involves small children. When the opportunity presents itself, talk and play with the small fry and look them in the eye as you do so. One enormous fringe benefit here is that children will love you more and their acceptance enhances your self-acceptance. The third phase of step 14 is to concentrate on looking your peer group and associates as well as those who might work at lesser positions in the eye at every opportunity. This gives you even more confidence for the final phase, which is to look everybody you meet or greet directly in the eye. I am obviously not talking about a staring contest. Overall, this procedure does a great deal to build your self-image and it's a tremendous friend maker. In some cultures, it is considered rude, especially for a young person to look at an older person in the eye unless he or she is told to do so. Be sensitive to this. Step 15. After your physical appearance, uh, step 15, alter your physical appearance when possible, practical, and desirable. Formerly 
obese people constantly tell me how much their image improved when they lost weight and were able to wear attractive clothing. Producing, participate in group activities, get active in sports, run up two flights of tears, and escape those constant digs. Friendly, of course, about their weight. My own image improved when I lost 37 pounds. There are also occasions when plastic surgery can be quite helpful in building one's self-image. This is especially true in case of an unusually large or long nose, protruding ears, hair lip, or oversized breasts that cause back problems, etc. This area, however, often involves psychological considerations without to be which have to be dealt with on an in-depth and personal basis. Caution and counsel are the watchwords, but I have seen some dramatic personality changes take place when this type of surgery is performed. As you review the do's and don'ts of the 15 steps to building a healthy self-image, let me remind you that all these steps are designed to help you accept yourself. Once you accept yourself, it will no longer be a matter of life or death for others to accept you. At that point, you will not only be accepted, but you will be welcomed wherever you go. The reason is simple. They will be accepting the real you, and the real you is much nicer than the phony conformist who tries so desperately hard to become somebody he isn't. When the real you is accepted, a lot of things happen. Your conduct changes for the better and your morals improve. Much of your tension disappears because you are secure within yourself and the little things that formerly bugged you will be put in perspective. In short, you won't sweat the small stuff. Your bank account and self-confidence will grow. Communication barriers will be removed and your family relationships will improve. Once you have accepted yourself, it's much easier to accept other people and their points of view. Please note I said accept, accept. That this does not necessarily mean that you agree with them. It does mean you can accept and even understand why they feel the way they do. When that happens, you will find it 